The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everybody, it's Casey Fields, your manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Welcome to another episode of City Quick Connect podcast legislative edition. Scott, welcome back. Producer Meredith started the countdown and then stopped. I was waiting on her to do something. Well, but I had she, to look that way. You know, yeah. well, normally my producer is sitting right across from me. Yes. And he counts me out and I can look at him. Well, this is a new, this is a new setup. It's a new setup. We're it's doing something setup. different. And didn't I, tell, didn't I tell all of our listeners last week that we were going to have a special thing? We're not going to reveal anything yet. Right. But this setup that nobody at home can see right now, but that we're testing it's yes. part of the surprise you announcement. Can, you can see this if you're watching us on uh, News Channel 8. So <laughs> that'll be good. News Channel 8. <laughs> I think that'd be great. We have a rival news team. <laughs> a rival news wait. team. They're going to put Corningstone on. <sighs> Scott, That's a just, campaign reference. The campaign reference. No, it isn't. That's a Ron Burgundy reference. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Corningstone I, was I get my, Veronica uh, Corningstone. I get my Will Ferrell movies mixed up. But aren't they all just great? They're all largely the same, but still very funny. Scott, today is Wednesday, December the 14th, and just yep. hours ago, the Municipal Association Board of Directors adopted the 2023-24 advocacy initiatives yes. for cities and towns. Yep. Um, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Okay. You um, you were in the board meeting? I was, yes. And presented the advocacy initiatives to the board. Right. And they voted on it, and everything went great. Yes. So now is when we really start rolling these out, if they have not heard of them before, which they should, Yeah. because these ideas came from our 10 regional advocacy meetings yep. that we held in September and October. Yep, I explained that to the board. Uh, many of them, obviously, were at the Rams right. Right. when it was held in their area. Um, Brandon Smith, the mayor in Greenwood, actually asked, hey, how can we get a list of these for use when we pass our resolution in favor of them on Greenwood City Council? So Perfect. told him we would have that on the website. We'll have the advocacy initiatives on the website. We'll have a resolution on the website like we do every year. I think we do that every year. Yeah, we do. Yeah, the mm -hmm. model the model resolution. Absolutely. And cities and towns can take that off the website and adopt it as they see fit. Hopefully, um, they'll all adopt it. And then talk to their right. legislators about all these things. Exactly. So, let's talk a little bit. I don't want to go into, I don't want to get deep in the weeds about each one of them. Um, but I want to talk a little mm -hmm. bit about each one. Okay. Um, and just kind of set the stage. For what's coming, there will there will be an Uptown article in January. Yes, um, in the January issue of Uptown that goes into detail about all of our That's advocacy right. initiatives. Um, but lest you and I just banter a little bit back and forth about each one. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, the first one it protects the authority of cities and towns to regulate short term rentals. That's not it's not a mistake that it's the first one. No, it's not because we've already seen attempts to preempt local authority to regulate short term rentals. Right. Um, in the last session, we know that this is something that is getting more and more attention across the state from local officials. Right. Um, matter of fact, just this week, I was talking to Kathy Pender on Rock Hill City Council. She's on our board. Was talking to her today about the fact that the city of Rock Hill just adopted a short-term rental regulation ordinance this past Monday that sets a limit on the number of permits, if you will, right. that will be in issued the in limits. the city for short-term rentals. 
That's Rock Hill's solution. Mm -hmm. That is a solution that the residents of the city of Rock Hill came to that city council and said, this is what we want. You've got to you got to do something about the proliferation of these businesses right. in these residential areas. And so that was Rock Hill's answer. Let me let me walk back just two seconds sure. here, real quick. So explain. Let's let's talk. What is a short term rental? Sure. What are we? What is our mindset of so, a short term rental? Then I have other questions. I'm going I'm going to Jacksonville in a few weeks to see what's left of the Carolina Gamecocks right. football team play against Notre Dame. I'll tell you what, the transfer portal has not been kind. <laughs> I was asking somebody the other day, are we going to be able to field a team? Right. I think we are. Okay, we great. should have enough well, You've got players. a new offensive coordinator. So, so you're yeah. going to Jack. Um, so, yeah. So one of the options that I had when I was looking for a place to stay was an Airbnb okay. or VRBO, whatever right. whatever your preferred Vacation app is. That's what, it, that's what these things are. They're short-term rentals. They're anything that's – and there are several definitions. We've talked about this before. There are several def definitions in state law about the different lengths of, okay. of stays that are where, where it's not your residence. Right. But generally these are going to be stays that are under 30 days at right. a time in a, in a home, in a, a home. residential neighborhood. It, yes. Generally. Maybe yeah. like it, sometimes a townhouse or an apartment. Sure. Absolutely. Could be a short term rental, yeah. but mostly yeah. they're, they're places where people can stay who are coming in from out of town. Right. Okay. Right. And so they're not hotels. Right. Okay. Right. Okay, so they're right. generally they're single family residences mm -hmm. or apartments. Okay, but they're not hotels in the traditional sense that you think about them. So as these businesses have grown and people are people are buying investment properties more and more across right. the state and cities, then these are displacing, if you will, potential permanent residents of uh, neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. It's 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 taking up what could be used. Might have been affordable housing, workforce mm -hmm. type Attainable housing in terms housing, right? in terms of the the cost, the rent, the rents. Mm -hmm. So as this as this business is growing across the state, residents are coming to let to not legislators are coming to city council members right. to say you got to do something about this because well, it falls under zoning ordinances and yeah, other ordinances sure. that the city enforces. Right. Right. And okay, you know. Most of these businesses operate very quietly within the laws, within the ordinances of a, of a city or a town, but there are those, as there is in everything, bad apples, these bad actors who uh, are perhaps out-of-town owners mm -hmm. who aren't, aren't being very discerning about to whom they're renting. So you end up with a party house that's having a party every weekend in a, in a residential neighborhood, right. and that becomes a problem for those residents. So... Mm -hmm. um, the, the point is that cities and towns, depending on the circumstances and the needs of their residents to, to how to regulate these, they the councils need to have that flexibility. And so we are going to defend that authority and that's uh, that they have so that and, – and prevent the General Assembly from potentially trying to take that authority away from cities and towns in this session and the coming session. And, and that's why you mentioned earlier that there it's not a one-size-fits-all right. approach. It's not yeah. a, a statewide – kind of a you know swipe of the paintbrush where right. everybody can fall under the same things because yes. rock hill is different than myrtle beach than that's right is charleston and hilton head yeah okay and uh, you know I get that. And unfortunately the general assembly usually tries to take a one-size-fits-all approach to right. most everything related uh, to cities, related towns, to cities and towns yeah. and so we're going to try and uh we're going to try and prevent that to the extent that we can. Well, okay. and that, why, that's one of those things that we'll go to the mat for. What um why are 
who is complaining about short-term rentals? I know that residents are going to city councils and they are making sure that they're yeah. following the rules and yeah. all those things. But why is it getting to the statewide legislative level? Well, this is my guess. Okay. I love, ba- it. I love it when you guess. Ba- based on what we've seen, the based on the people who are involved in these discussions in cities across the state, okay. it is the, the owners themselves. Okay. So the, the people who own these businesses want as little or to no regulation as possible. Okay. Um, so they're the ones who are advocating to get cities out of their business, which is fair. You know, I understand sure. that. I get it. Uh, but they are not necessarily some of them, not all of them, they are not necessarily as concerned about the quality of life in that single-family residential neighborhood as a, a city council member who represents that area or even lives okay. in that neighborhood is. So, yeah. um, that those are the two sides of the argument. You got you, you're p- really pitting residents against business owners in this particular case, and okay. so um, I think it's I think city councils are best equipped to be able to manage that discussion and, and come up with solutions. So the government closest to the people. Correct. That's right. Um, all right. The second one, expanding economic development initiatives or incentives for small businesses and yeah. like more businesses downtown. So I explained it to the, the board like this. Okay. Um, Counties have fee in lieu of tax authority. Right. And counties use that authority to help lure large industrial customers. Big industri- right? like when you see these county industrial parks. Yeah. yeah. In that, okay. So that the, 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 the county can use their fee in lieu of tax authority to lower the, the property tax rate, the, you know, essentially the property tax rate sure. that those businesses pay. Cities don't have that authority in state law. So they have to come up with more creative ways to deal with the property tax assessment disparity between the 105 6%, 4% property tax assessment, right? Rather than them having to jump through these creative financing Mm -hmm. hoops, couldn't they, shouldn't they, city councils, have the authority to lower those property tax rates very similarly to county councils mm-hmm. that, that county councils have authority to do, but for smaller scale projects. Right. Particularly to help uh, downtown redevelopment. Okay. So, you know, the difference between uh, a potential business owner redeveloping a 3,000 square foot storefront in downtown Woodruff mm-hmm. could be the, the difference could be that property tax rate, them paying a higher property tax rate versus a lower property tax rate. Okay. City councils ought to have that authority to say, yes, we are under these circumstances and under this agreement with this business owner and the property owner to say, under the right conditions and you meeting these conditions, we're going to have the authority to lower your property tax rate uh, for your assessment ratio. So that's something that we would want to pursue. And if there are other economic development tools that cities could could take advantage of or that need to be created, like maybe tax credits or something like that, mm-hmm. then certainly I think we would be willing to, we would be supportive on, of that. Work on yeah. something that yeah. we, but, ever, it's, it's mutually beneficial but in, for it, business. In ex- yeah. In explaining that advocacy initiative. I, I, I like to use that philo mm-hmm. type authority. Right. So um, the next one is traffic safety measures, yeah. supporting cities that are supporting cities that are supporting bills that specifically banned squat trucks. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, I was on the I-26 
on Sunday, headed mm-hmm. to a baseball party. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to go ahead and prepare everybody this next spring. We're still pulling for the kicking koalas soccer team, <laughs> but we've got a new baseball team to pull for, and I'll tell everybody about that in January. It's not um, the all-star team. It's a, it's no, a regular. this is the Mavs. This is like big Midlands time. Mavs. Yeah, we're traveling, man. We're going out of state. This, yeah. This is this is real. Yeah. It's real a lot of time and you real are, expensive. And yes, exactly. I'll see y'all during business hours and after that. As a veteran of the volleyball circuit, it, I exactly. can. Exactly. Uh, we're not going to Kentucky I and feel, all the places that you went. I feel your pain. Um, but we saw a squat truck on 26, and it was like the most squatted truck I've ever seen. So a squat truck, sometimes called a Carolina squat, um, mm-hmm. is a truck whose front end has been elevated. Back in the 50s, they called that a high boy. Really? Yeah. When you jacked up what, the front what end. What were the 50s like? Tell I me. don't know. I, I put together of, models, model cars. Tell me all about it. <sighs> I um, have been watching uh, Mad Men. That, so. Well, here we go. <laughs> um, but specifically, the city of Myrtle Beach is having yes. um, some safety issues. There's a squat, squat trucks on the strip. There's a squat truck that runs through my neighborhood. It makes really? a lot of racket, too. Upsets the dogs terribly. Um the so squ- that's something else, uh, and other local safety ordinances. Well, why, so what's so bad about squat trucks? Because you can't see the pedestrians walking in front of. So the when you're sitting in the driver's seat of a squat squatted truck, you're angled up. That's right. You know, you're essentially looking up into the sky. Right. Five year old that's crossing the street in front of you. Right. You, you have no idea that that little five year old is crossing the street in front. of you. Can't see to your right to see. That's right. In testimony, so this bill was introduced and, and came through the legislature. Um, this year, 2022, and um, there was a police officer from Myrtle Beach who came and testified and said that he talked to, he ticketed a guy who had, who admitted that he had to always have somebody in the passenger seat of the truck so, Lean that, out the window? so that he could see it to tell the driver if somebody was in front of the Come truck or not. Come on, man. Yeah, and, and people have been run over by these things. Um, so Myrtle Beach is interested in doing something about that. I think the squat truck bill got run over by a squat truck um, or by it got, or a UTV, didn't 100%. it? 100%. You it know. got hijacked to include yeah. language in another yeah. bill that really, I mean, it did have to do with transportation, but not at all having to do with squat trucks. So right. I don't think this is an issue that has too much opposition. I think everybody is, you know, not everybody, but I think a majority of legislators are in favor of yeah, and there's been of a couple this. of house pre-filed bills already. Yes, there has uh, been related to those. Mm-hmm. The other thing that were you know traffic related, related uh, safety measures related. Um, a lot of we've talked about this before. Uh, some cities across the state, their police departments use license plate readers right. uh, to help. Uh, track down people who have arrest warrants. Uh, if yeah, there's an Columbia Amber Alert, just installed a new round of these of the know, new the neighborhood cameras. Right, and there's neighborhood intersection cameras. Yeah, yeah. there are intersection cameras, na- neighborhood neighborhood cameras. There are folks in the General Assembly who don't like that. They don't like those those devices being used because they don't like the fact that people's information is being collected without their consent. Got it. And there, you know, some legislators are afraid of the potential for abuse of that information and so uh they will they will oppose that that bill but we support that sure. effort absolutely uh for for law enforcement to be able to continue to use those because um, that has helped i know in columbia it's helped solve um traffic accident issues hit and runs because yeah. they've got the cameras that are pulling up license tags yep. and looking at that intersection so i think it's it's a safety yeah thing. um gm whitley uh from the uh, Mount Pleasant Town Council. Mm-hmm. She's on our board. She asked questions about that today when we when I was explaining it, 
and she asked specifically about red light cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're preempted from doing that. That that uh, red light cameras, speed cameras, mm-hmm. things right. like that got preempted a number of years ago right. after some unfortunate incidences and uh, the That's issuance correct. of a lot of tickets to people traveling from out of state. That's correct through South Carolina, um, mostly Yankees. The ne- the next uh, piece of leg or not piece of legislation, but the legislation that we would like to support. Um, when it is introduced, and there was a bill that was pre-filed in the House um, this week, is uh, hate crimes legislation. Yep. Um, it passed the House last year resoundingly, yes. but it got stuck in the Senate. Yep. Um, and it has been reintroduced by Representative Gilliard in the House this year. Yeah. And we have had, Scott, a lot of cities talk to us about this. Yes. Because they are losing huge events yeah um they are they are losing these events um because we are one of two states that still haven't passed so rock hill in particular rock hill is a sports tourism town Mm -hmm. Uh, they've had the opportunity to host large tournaments of different kinds you know they they are they are a tennis biking soccer softball that's correct Cross BMX, cross country, mm-hmm. you know, hub and in the state. And they've got the biking, the, the, what do you call it? The velodrome. Yeah, the velodrome, yeah, that's right. The Giordano velodrome. So, but they've lost out on opportunities to host thousands of people in their city mm-hmm. because of the lack of a hate, of statewide hate crimes legislation in South Carolina. Wyoming is the only other state in the country that doesn't have it. So it's an economic development issue uh, for cities and towns across the state. So that is something that we are looking to uh, looking to support as that uh, as that moves forward. Um, Scott, the next one after hate crime. Well, I mean, not in any particular order, but this is yes. just kind of how we've listed it. That's right. After hate crimes is the um, compilation of financial statements. I don't want to call it the less than audit anymore yeah. because we've been calling that for yeah. calling it that for some time. But it is a offering. Smaller cities and towns with smaller budgets, right. an opportunity to do something to provide the treasurer's office something less than a full blown right audit. something okay. that is more that is affordable right for them, whereas a full blown gap audit is not right. And where we we and the treasurer, when I say we, the public and the treasurer, where we now get nothing right. from those towns, right. at least this would be an opportunity for them to produce something that their residents and their councils could use to say, yes, we're in pretty good shape. And then it would also help them comply with the statutory requirement that they provide a report to the treasurer every year. Because right now what's being, what's happening is their local government funds are being withheld from them. So right. it's sort of a catch. And some of them have been withheld for a long time, long time. I mean, for yeah. several years. Yeah. So there was it would a, be a very helpful. There was a budget proviso. It. There was a budget proviso that was uh, included in the budget two years ago. They gave so. them sort of a reprieve, said, okay, hey, treasurer, release their money so that they can do I think the, it was for the, during COVID. For the, yeah. Like during the COVID. For the purposes period. of conducting these audits, and they, they still didn't. So right. hopefully this this compilation report requirement will be uh, helpful to you. And I believe this bill has already been pre filed in the Senate. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Yes. I think Senator so too. Brad Hutto from right. Orangeburg. Um, did, yes. The next. The next um, advocacy initiative has been going on since the 1930s, um, a, a period of time that I know that you are well familiar with. Um, I am a student of history, yes. But you are. I was just thinking like real life. Um, but this one is 
<laughs> this one, um, I can't wait for somebody younger than me to start criticizing my age. And well, we've got a whole start. building full yeah, of them, know, so know, just wait. So much fun. So this is Enclave Annexation. We've been talking yeah. about this Dunnett-Holes. for a hundred years. I told the board today in response to a question, hey, how can, you know, what can we do to get this moving? It's very simple. A critical mass of elected officials, local elected officials, need to go to their Republican members of the House and Senate, ask them to co-sponsor the bill that was pre-filed by uh, Representative Joe Bustos from Mount Pleasant. Right. Sign on to that bill as a sponsor and then push this bill forward. That's the only way it's going to happen. Right. That's um, exactly right. That's The that's furthest it. I think this bill has gotten is when Mandy Powers Norrell yep. was the sponsor and she got it to the full judiciary committee. She did. She got it out of a subcommittee uh, hearing to the full judiciary and then – that was during the time when there were legislators trying to stop some solar bills from moving forward, right. and that enclave bill got caught up in the solar that's debate. That's correct, um, which is odd. You, you know, that's a really good point because there are a lot of instances where we have a bill that we're supporting and that we're pushing, and it gets kind of wrapped up in a debate that has absolutely nothing to do with that bill, but either time you know, they spend too much time on one bill, so ours is waiting in the wings. They don't get to it, or there's deal making going on. Long live the dilapidated buildings act. Long <laughs> that Scott, that was one of the gr- I mean, the 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 whole the years that we worked on that bill and the different versions we had of that bill. I mean, at one point, I think that sucker was like eighty four pages. Someday, as a pamphlet, I'm going to publish the DBA Chronicles. So <laughs> that'd be, uh, that I, would not be a pamphlet. I that kept would be like a. That would be a Meredith book. I kept a history on that. That would be a that would be a coffee table book. Enclave on annexation fell prey that year. And um, it's it not did. gone anywhere since. So. Um, a couple of um, items that were on our initiatives last year, year before, yep. are on there again. The code enforcement liens. Yep. Um, that is a nod to dilapidated properties, yeah. um, and it is a tool. Yeah. It's not the solution, but a tool. That local officials can use. It would require the county auditor to bill and the county treasurer to collect code enforcement liens on the property tax bill. Okay. So city cleans up a property, puts a lien on that property. There, It's optional for that to be collected like property taxes, right. but a lot of county fo- officials won't do that for us. So our our bill would compel them to do that. Okay. And then another one is the zero millage bill. I know that you've worked on that um, for some Mm -hmm. time. So there are some cities, um, Blythewood and Edgefield being two examples, Irmo, Irmo, Mm -hmm. that do not have a millage. And Act 388 pretty much took away their ability to put on a millage, right? Well, that's what the the Attorney General has opined. I disagree. Right, of course. I I think that, I don't think that uh, Act 388, I don't think the intent of the General Assembly in passing Act 388 was to forever deny a zero millage city the opportunity to put on an operating millage. Okay. However, in the absence of explicit authority, which goes against home rule, of course, of course, uh, there, there are some cities that are reluctant to put on that operating millage. So this bill would make it explicit that they could, Okay, as an exception um, to Act 388. And don't you, along with everybody else here today, don't you want the most... Out of your city or town? The most, yes. You want the most? Yes. 
You want to get the most. The most. That they offer. The most. The most. M-O-S-T. The municipal option sales tax. Yes. And that leads us to our next advocacy initiative. <laughs> what um, a transition. This would be. A that, segue. Wasn't that great? That was a great segue. Um, that That's would what, be. In the podcast business, they call that a segue. Really? Yeah. Not, not like the, the motorized not, Yeah, not the scooter. two-wheel car. Yeah. Okay, got or it. Or bicycle, whatever it's um, called. A most, which yep. was coined by um, a, a member of ours in one of our at one of our regional yeah. advocacy meetings. Um, who was it that? Is a, you, you I don't remember. I'm going to look back okay. in my notes. I'm going to look back in my notes. If and you're listening, tell us who you are. If whoever did that, I'm going to go back and look at my notes because I have the notes, and then I'm going to give them credit on the next podcast. Um, that would be a penny tax that municipal residents would have to approve yeah. via referendum yep. um, for projects that will be located within the city limits. Yeah. Um, counties have the authority to levy a capital project spending That's sales right. tax. They have the authority to levy a local option sales tax, which is a property tax credit uh, uh, penny. Cities don't have that authority. In those cases where a county does not adopt it or a county council refuses to put it on the ballot, City residents ought to have the opportunity to vote on it themselves. And so that's something that we would, would like to pursue. Like to support. Absolutely. Um, another another topic that we heard a lot of, and, and, and for the last, I guess, two or three years, we've worked on um, opioid addiction mm-hmm. yep. um, through the Narcan for fire departments yep. and police officers. Mm-hmm. So um, this is related to that, but a lot of our cities and towns are seeing increased fentanyl trafficking and overdoses. Yeah. Um, and that is that is another thing on our list is support increased penalties for yeah, the fentanyl um, been trafficking and possession. Yeah, there's and, already been several bills. And of course, the law enforcement community is very interested in making fentanyl traffic, fentanyl trafficking and possession penalties uh, a lot more severe than they are right now. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, the as dangerous as fentanyl is, it is you're less likely to get as severe a penalty as you would for even probably some, um, I don't want to misspeak, but maybe even some marijuana charges mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. other sort of illicit drug charges. So uh, law enforcement wants to beat that up. And we would agree with them. Um, the last thing, Scott, on our list is the um, census population estimates. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is legislate something that is solved through legislation, but yeah. you know sometimes our advocacy initiatives are not, purely concentrated in statewide legislation. Sometimes it's a partnership or working with another state agency that can get this work. So this is something that we will have to work on with the Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office. Yeah. So in between each decennial census, the Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office, the State Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office, puts out population estimates year over year. And typically those estimates grow from the last census to the next. Well, then what's happened this year or the, with this last census, and I think largely because of COVID, there are a lot of communities who whose population estimates were much higher than what the census eventually ended up saying that they had. And that hurt them in a number of ways, particularly on revenue sources, state shared revenues, because population is a function of, of the local government fund in particular. Right. So, There should be, and they have no way to say, hey, that was wrong. We need to fix this. There, there should be some, some way to appeal the, this number or, or, or make some adjustment so that that town or city doesn't suffer, uh, through no fault of its own. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we'll, uh, we'll explore with. 
RFA and others? Um, while these are the advocacy initiatives, there are other issues that I just yeah. want to mention very briefly yeah. that we are obviously going to work on um, that are carryovers, I guess, from last year. Mm -hmm. The post-traumatic stress disorder bill, workers' comp, yep. PTSD, um, the Tort Claims Act, changes to the Tort Claims Act. Um, return to work for retirees that was included in the budget, but yep. we're looking for permanent legislation yep. on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the workforce housing with the accommodations tax, yeah, that's using a, the accommodations tax. Yeah. That's an issue that Senator Tom Davis brought to us. I think we've talked about that before a little bit, maybe. Have, yeah. I don't know. I've talked about There's, these things so often. I don't know to whom I've spoken and, and, but anyway, that, that's a bill that Senator Davis asked us to take a look at that would add the development of workforce housing as an allowed expense of accommodations tax and hospitality tax. So we're interested in that. And, and that bill we'll has been pre-filed in the yes. Senate. Yes. Okay. What, what else? else? I don't know. I think that's, that's a lot. As the late great Jimmy Jabert once said, here we go. I think that's enough. I, th I think that's way more than enough. Um, <laughs> we will have all of this posted on the website in uptown um, and have, ways for you to use this in your city or town to spread the word through your uh, local newspaper mm -hmm. reporters or television reporters that cover your city council mm -hmm. meetings, talk with your legislators, especially. I cannot emphasize this enough. If they are new to the South Carolina House, please call them and present this list to them. Talk to them and find just maybe one thing on the list that you are in agreement with or have something in common and let's work toward that shout out to brand new representative brandon cox from goose creek who called us and said hey what are y'all what are y'all interested in which so, we love yeah it was great that was wonderful yeah he's a former city guy so he's a former goose creek city council member that's right and a berkeley county council member um Make sure that you are keeping your eyes peeled as the legislature begins in January for all of the platforms that we use to get information to you. Our Twitter page, the Facebook, um, our website, and from the Dome to Your Home every Friday, the podcast, all of the things that we use um, to get out information mm -hmm. about what is going on in the legislature. I guess this is our last show before don't say it christmas and hanukkah well yes before chris before our holidays okay. before christmas and hanukkah and kwanzaa but yes. we have a great surprise for everybody um just stay tuned and pay attention for the new year yes new happy year, new year new year new you yeah <laughs> how about that scott's gonna get his hair done it's gonna be great remember you can find city quick connect podcast mm -hmm. On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, and SoundCloud will probably be on Entertainment Tonight. I mean, it, there's just no time at all. We'll probably be on every major news network. Don't, um, don't get carried away. It's there. <laughs> it's too late for that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in the new year. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.